0: moon hangs in the sky over the outskirts of Enthodkis. It is a hazy, humid night on the grounds of the Boomsend Inn. Well behind the inn, nestled in a copse of trees, is a small two-story shack. Inside the shack, a man is hard at work, head over a desk, scrawling in a notebook. Beside him, on the ground, is a trunk and several packed bags. Around him is all manner of alchemical equipment. Flasks, beakers test tubes piping running all over the first floor, reaching out and connecting to a structure dominating one corner of the shack. It is a tall, cylindrical glass tube filled with a roiling red liquid. A series of hoses come out of the cylinder and terminate at a large table with five manacled restraints. Just then, a door opens from the outside, and in walks a small, balding gentleman, similar in face to the taller man, but much less handsome in appearance. Hello, Reinhardt. Going somewhere? Is it a trip to Amthadkis you need to take that I am unaware of? Ralph. well, I guess now is as good as time as any to tell you that I am planning a trip. You will all be leaving this place soon and for good. Well, that is news. Tell me, uh, when were you planning to share this information with the rest of the family? Is it wise for your son to travel in his condition? As you can see, Hans is doing quite well. I believe his condition is much improved compared to what it was just a few days ago. None of that would be possible without the miracles you see in this small room. Reinhardt gestures to the strange contraption in the corner. Miracles is what you call it. (laughs) Perversion is more like it. That lumbering thing out there bears little resemblance to your son. Surely when his sister returns home, she will notice. How do you think she will react? I will share that with Gertrude in good time once she returns. A lot has happened in her absence. Luckily, her brother's accident and untimely passing is something she did not have to experience. She likely will never have to experience it at all, as I believe the successful reanimation will give him a long and healthy life, perhaps much longer than hers. What kind of life is that? He barely responds when you speak to him. He's more like a dog than a man. Roth, please. I did the best with what I had at my disposal, but I have proven that this science does work. And once I share this with the world, we can leave this horrible place forever. no longer will have to be subservient to those greedy little lizard men. Oh, I see. So the world will just welcome this discovery of yours with open arms. I feel like this might be a little more difficult than you think. You are not, my dear brother, the most savvy at dealing with people. ...negotiation, doing the business that needed to be done, our father and his father before took this task very seriously. You would give up our family's legacy to play at a resurrectionist. Do you feel that the priests will find this method of reanimation acceptable or anathema? I refuse to stand here and argue philosophy with you, Ralph. I am the head of this family. And like our father and his father before him, I make the decisions. And this is what I have decided... So you better start packing your little bags. I am sure you've hauled up enough gold out of that swamp to make yourself very comfortable wherever you wind up landing. No, my brother. No, that is not going to happen. Let me tell you what our future is. Our future is serving as a conduit to one of the most primal powers of this world. We work with them. And they serve the dragon. So we serve the dragon. Don't you see? It means a lot in this part of the world, so I will not let your mad experiments bring this family to a ruin. Reinhardt stands, turns to face his brother. You are a petulant child, Rolf, and you always have been. Don't think that I am not aware of all your efforts you have made to undermine me over the years. You may have our sister fooled, but you have not fooled the rest of us. Get out now! Reinhardt stands, towering over his little brother. He throws his hand out, pointing at the door. Rolf's face turns beat red as he finally loses control. No! I have had enough of this. You have never been strong enough to lead this family. Rolf looks over at an oil lamp at the edge of the table. He grabs it and holds it over his head. You may lack the will to do what needs to be done, but I do not. Reinhardt moves back as his expression changes from anger to fear. You cannot. Uh, Brother, please. See reason. We may disagree, but we are blood. Blood! Let us talk this over. No, brother, it appears blood is not enough. Rolf turns, hurls the lamp at the cylinder. Reinhardt leaps to intercept it. As they collide, Rolf runs, closing the door behind him. He runs from the shack as flames spread within. He looks up to the rear of the inn to see a curtain quickly close on the third floor. It is clear that Helga has more witness to this. He sighs, thinking of what his sister might say. This is going to be a whole thing now, isn't it? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is episode 53. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: 53, all right. All right. 53, that's Lucky number 53. We got this.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: This Uh, is where things really take off, guys. <laughs> and if you were to listen to one episode a week, it would take you more mm-hmm. than a year.
0: Yeah. Wow. 100%. Well, gang is all here once again. And we have left you in a, you know, not in peril, but uh, definitely in an uncomfortable situation. You guys are at the Boom's End Inn. You have survived uh, the first night there. Obviously, Razor had a little bit of a weird encounter, but, you know, worded off as a bit of a dream. Be for fine. at least most. <laughs> Yeah. For at least most of the day. You met the rest of the Ruger family. You met nephew Hans, who is a uh, giant mute cook, apparently, who is terrifying. You met Rolf, who is a uh, small, officious little jerk. And you met Gertrude, who really likes animals and not people that much, but maybe, maybe Kiernan. We'll see. You witnessed more goblin abuse. And The last thing that happened before Rolf ushered Lord Ironhammer and his associate, the now revealed Knight of the Broken Lance, you witnessed a strange occurrence with one of the goblins who appeared to be puppeteered by some kind of otherworldly force for a minute that told you to leave and when asked who they were talking to, just said dead. Whatever that means. But
1: clearly, a guy named Dead. What is the yeah. problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't assume Dead just sounds like a man's name to me, but you know, it could be anybody. True. true.
0: Be. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Dead I could be wanna... anyone. Anyone yeah. could be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, speaking of anyone could be dead, here we find you at the Boom's End Inn. So we will start in the office of Rolf Ruger. As you enter this office, you will notice a number of things. This office is a majority of the northwest corner of the first floor of this building. He has uh, two large picture windows on either side of him as his odd desk chair sits in the corner. It is a huge polished oak desk, very impressive looking, uh, two well-appointed upholstered chairs that you sit in facing the desk. And he sits at an armed chair that is covered in uh tanned animal hides two large you would assume some kind of beast horns atop either side of the back of the chair and claws of some kind of beast at the uh heads of the arms of the chair where where he puts his little tiny hands at the desk he has a a large ledger a, a quill and ink and to your left his right is a massive portrait of what appears to be his mother and father, which is almost floor to ceiling of that wall. And the rest of the room is bookshelves and, you know, various office accoutrement. But uh, it's a very well-appointed office. I definitely get the impression that he wants to uh, impress with his business acumen, at least, you know, visually. Well, then... I am very pleased to meet you, and I do believe I have the pleasure of addressing a knight of the Broken Lance, Mr., or should I say Sir Flink?
1: Yes, you do. Of course, Lord Ironhand is, uh, I am at his service, so I would direct your conversation to him until he deigns to have me speak. There's some vaults that we
2: need some help breaking into for personal enrichment. And we think that some members of the uh, Boom Boom Society, or whatever they call themselves, would be quite useful in such matters.
0: Yes, yes, I, I am sure they would. Let me tell you a little bit about how things work on our end here. You see, the kobolds are a very uh, multifaceted people. They exist in a, a very uh, strict tiered society. The standard variety, I guess you could say, kobold are rather primitive. Uh, not uh, particularly inspired, but very, very uh, nasty <laughs> little buggers. They serve as uh, a kind of common class of their people, uh, but there are the more enlightened of the kobolds. Uh, they uh, refer to themselves as the shishreb, uh, or the uh, scientist class, uh, engineer, whatever it is in their language. But they are very, uh, very clear in the distinction <laughs> As you might hear, the term Shreb kicked around by people who are familiar with the Kobolds. They will be referring to that class of kobold, those uh, more uh, intelligent, enlightened. They have spent their years developing in that uh, very misunderstood area that they call home. Various technologies for war. And uh, among the chief occupations of the Kobolds' technology is the applied use of explosives. These are non-magical, alchemical explosive devices. There are very few outside of Mthodkis who have any kind of skill with this sort of weapon. They are very proud of their accomplishments, what they have been able to do uh, with the use of their, though an air quote is a thing that doesn't happen, you can kind of feel it when he says, superior intellect. They also have been working on and have mastered, to a certain extent, non-magical travel through the air with the use of heated gas of some kind. Though they have their own motivations and drives, they are dragon kin. So one cannot ever forget that they owe their lives in service to a great beast. It is the dragon Corlactordis who reigns over them this land. So all they do in the accumulation of wealth is ultimately in service of that great beast. So their services are attainable for a price. And I can assure you that price is not uh, come cheaply. And in times of conflict, the law of supply and demand, I'm afraid it's not always on your side, but I work in their interest. My grandfather came to this place Almost a century ago, when my father was but a small child, we were driven out of our home by the uh, barbarian horde, who now troubles your people,
2: I see, Lord Ironhammer. Yes, but it won't last. We've had a couple minor setbacks. We'll push them out when we deem it's time, I suppose. We'll get our heads out of our asses, whichever comes first. (laughs) Yes,
0: well... The dwarves are very resilient people. (laughs) My grandfather uh, moved around for a while, looking for a new place to uh, rest the, the Ruger name. And after a series of misadventures, found himself here, this unlikely of places. But he saw an opportunity and he saw the means to amass a fortune and give purpose to his family. And so we founded the inn and became brokers of a singular kind and left that business to my father and my father to me. And there is a little bit of a stutter in that when he says to me, like,
2: not necessarily an unbroken line. <laughs> hmm. Ah, now I begin to understand why you didn't want Helga to tell the whole family history. That was your responsibility. She can get a little sentimental.
0: Mm. You see, uh, we honor the past, but we are always looking towards the future. And that's what I do. I have taken the mantle, though it might not have been initially my birthright, but I take it uh, now in the direction I believe that would have made my father and grandfather proud. And now is the time when I feel we can amass uh, a great deal. That there are people like you, industrious people, Lord Ironhammer, who are not afraid to Get their hands dirty. I assume that this vault is in your homelands. Yes. Help me. It is none of my business, but actually, <laughs> it is. The Shreb will want to know what kind of danger they're getting themselves into. Are you poaching another family's artifacts?
2: No, not per se. Um, it's more of a f- matter of uh, something was buried and lost, and the knowledge of where it is came into my possession. And no one else seems to know about it at all. So as long as we're quiet, I don't foresee any problem. Well, other than when the big explosions go off, that obviously won't be quiet. But it won't be near anybody, so it should be fine. I see. So your
0: interest is uh, mostly in the accumulation of explosives?
2: Yes. And and the people that can handle them. Of course.
0: These things are rather involved, but part of my job is to uh, access risk, evaluate, and uh, determine if you and the Shreb are a good match. So far, uh, I like what I'm hearing, but we'll need to vet you uh, a little more. I must admit I'm not familiar with the Iron Hammond moniker, but the dwarves do
2: not come to us very often, so... Well, that was part of the charm. I then that since you are not an asset commonly used, it wouldn't be one that would be expected. Not that anyone will be expecting anything, as nobody knows about it anyway. Yes.
0: Well, tell me about your uh, small retinue here, your Michaelog, your Esog, and your uh,
2: wolf friend. Sir Knight, why don't you explain it to him?
1: I'm getting bored. Of course, sir. The trove we wish to reach is in a area abandoned by the dwarves and is uh, somewhat... Well, we're not exactly sure what we expect to encounter. It will not be a, a, necessarily a civilized region, but it is a place that was once civilized. Creatures tend to um, find these caverns. We will have some overland travel, and we be moving through some areas that we have dwarven records of, but not precise understanding. So our Michaelog friend is a uh, trained ranger, and he uh, also is, as is uh, his kind, very knowledgeable. So we're hoping that this will be uh, helpful. Uh, Again, Keith is a ranger we've hired to uh, see us through, has a little bit more experience. The wolf, I am reasonably sure, will uh, help us avoid any nasty surprises, Uh, as good at spotting ambushes as it were. And the ESOG is um, mystical support. And I've been told there's a myth in my order that having an ESOG along is good luck.
0: (laughs) Yes, I believe it was uh, Sir Sebastian, I think.
1: I believe that is right. I, am, I must admit, not knowing the old tales as intricately as I perhaps should, but there's always so much to do in the present.
0: Of course. We all know that your order uh, has a, an illustrious yet uh, somewhat misnomered history. hmm Well... That's very uh, very good. Your immediate retinue uh, does uh, seem to make sense. Are there
1: others that will be joining you on this endeavor? There, we have a few more uh, members of my order to provide added security, mainly just to make sure no harm comes to the vital assets we hope to engage that we'll need. Our immediate retinue can handle themselves, but I do not want our expert engineers to have to worry about their own safety. So we uh, have a few more uh, swords on hand in case we run into any trouble.
0: Oh, that's very, very uh, thoughtful of you to think of the Shrebs' safety. Uh, Some of them do have a tendency to get a little over exuberance and put themselves in harm's way.
1: (laughs) I like to think that it is thoughtful of us, but uh, there is a certain amount of self-interest as well. Of course. We can provide adequate security to the mission and and back home.
0: Yes, we are all uh, ultimately acting on our own self-interest, aren't we? Some level. Mm -hmm. This will, of course, bring us to the next part of the vetting. Let's talk coin. And now I will switch back to our other two inhabitants. Zika and Kiernan, you are left in the tavern alone at the moment, though uh, obviously there's a goblin scrubbing the floor feverishly uh, and others about you see coming in and out, moving to and fro and trying to be uh, invisible to you.
1: Well, Xena,
3: what shall we do? (sighs) Do you think perhaps we could have a look around without... Drawn too much attention to ourselves? I think so. I mean, most of them have to pretend we don't exist anyway, right? I mean, I should hope so. All right. I'm game right. if you are.
0: So, where would you two little maniacs like to go first? <laughs> I'll remind you, obviously, there's a, in itself, there is obviously the second floor where all the rooms are. There's presumably a third floor that you have not yet. Actually, no, you will have seen a staircase in the very back between the two like big rooms, like the one between the room Razor was in and, and another, you assume, similar big room. There is the stables, which is immediately as you go out of the tavern, which is immediately to your left. There is a little barn with animal pen that is directly behind and a little to the right of the tavern. There's a little well there. And as you look out um, one of the windows, you will notice way, way, way in the back, there's a little cemetery that is kind of hidden back there. And... A little bit further back is uh, almost swallowed by uh, some trees, both living and dead, a uh, dilapidated building that is just kind of peeking out. So there's a number of places to explore.
3: Yeah. I mean, dilapidating buildings sounds pretty cool. All right. Sounds good to me. We'll start outside and then head inside if, if we uh, don't yeah, get caught I... or killed before then. <laughs> Perhaps if you want to go to the stables and talk to uh, your new friend. Yes. And I'll check out further back. Okay. I'll take Ray yeah. with us then.
0: Yeah. So you presume there are back doors here, but they are not immediately visible to you. I mean, there are doors that might lead to a back door or, you know, obviously you can go out and around the front. So if you do that, uh, yeah, the first place you would encounter would be the stables. And then if Zika wants to break away and head back towards a big dilapidated building, you can do that as well.
3: I'll grab Rain on the way so that we have an additional person, and then I can introduce Rain to uh, Gertrude as well.
0: All right, great. Yeah, so you guys leave out of the front door of the tavern and make your way around to the side of the building, and you see a small stables. There is obviously space for, you know, a a good number of horses here, and you see Gertrude uh, brushing a very large, impressive-looking black mare. Cool. Cool. And you see her, well, you're familiar with this kind of thing. She is talking very softly to the horse. Okay.
3: I will make a little noise so that I don't, doesn't seem like I'm sneaking up or anything.
0: All right. Uh, yeah, you make a noise and then Gertrude will look in your direction. Zika, are you, uh, want to duck out before or after she sees you? Uh, before. Okay. So give me a, uh, give me a stealth roll and you take it at advantage because she is not, her attention is elsewhere, so.
3: Well, the first die roll was 19, so I didn't even need the advantage, but that'll be a total of 22. Okay. At least I hope I didn't need the advantage, but...
0: Yeah, no, her passive perception is pretty high, but it's not that high. So you're able to duck towards the back of the building as she turns to greet Keith.
2: Hello.
3: Hello. Is it a bad time?
0: No, not at all. Not not at all. She is
3: looking down at Rain. I wanted to introduce you
0: she crouches down on her knees to be level with Rain and just kind of looks him in the eye. She puts her hand out and then goes to uh, give him some scritches.
3: Does it seem like Rain's sensing anything negative off of this person?
0: Yeah, no, Rain seems to be fine. Rain seems to uh, recognize that animal kinship Mm -hmm. that uh, Beastmasters have. He has, of course, been wary since he got here. Yeah, He had a little bit of a restless night. Last night, he didn't wake you up or anything, but you kind of notice in his demeanor today that he's a little bit, a little bit tired, but not like, you know, not fatigued in any way, but just like, he's an extension of yourself, so you know when something, he's not 100%. Right,
3: gotcha. Like,
0: uh, very much has, you know, hackles up to a certain extent.
3: I will uh, let them have their moment
0: and not interfere, then. Uh, she looks rain in the eye. Yes, you have seen a lot. Hmm. <laughs> can tell he is young, but has a wisdom beyond his years.
3: Yes, that's very true.
0: Well, what about you? What is your background?
1: I would say that Rain and I are very similar in that I suppose I am still quite young, yet I have had somewhat vast life experience. And you?
0: Well, she just kind of puts her hands up in the air like you're looking at it like this is it this is my life this is what i do this is my purpose i see to the animals and i provide other services when asked
1: what other services
0: like you give me some kind of role (laughs) (laughs) i would say charisma persuasion but if you want to try and sell me on something else
3: i'll take persuasion sure
0: 21 21 okay i am a guide i guide those who are proved by my uncle were hmm. allowed to visit the shrebs the uh kobold engineers
1: ah so perhaps my companions then well
0: that is uh that is why you are here correct you and lord iron hammer
3: was it correct yes
0: he is uh she's kind of drifts a little
3: it's fine you can be honest
0: He's trying very hard, isn't he?
3: <laughs> uh, he does do that.
0: I feel like that he is uh, not as skilled as your other
2: friend. Ah, well, I- you are perhaps correct.
0: Well, listen to Rolf. People always put on airs when they want to do business with the shrubs at the end of the day. All Uncle Ralph is interested in his coin and power, what he intends to do with it, I never understood, but anyway, I know the way.
1: If you don't mind me asking, what if what of Reinhardt?
0: She goes dark. You know my father's name. You have done your homework.
1: We're not completely ignorant.
0: My father was a very different sort of man. He did not belong here. He wanted other things for us, but fate had something else in store, I suppose. I was leading a number of retinues back and forth on behalf of the Dragonborn. That is just to say that last year I was busy for a long time, out of the inn for long periods of time, and I was not here on my father's illness. He took ill not long after I left. Illness similar to one that uh, almost took the life of my brother Hans, from what I understand.
3: Do you know the nature of the illness?
0: Fever, strange sores, various uh, unpleasant symptoms. I think it has something to do with uh, toxic fumes, perhaps coming out of that horrible place. But my father was the one who took care of us. My father was the one who saw to our needs in that regard. He was... Brilliant, he knew medicine and alchemy and all manner of secrets that uh, he learned from the Shreb and others. When my brother took ill, he personally nursed him back to health. Unfortunately, the illness left him changed My brother wasn't always uh, a mute. He was gentle. Not very intelligent, always. He was a bit of a brute, quick to anger when challenged, but alone. He was quite gently, liked to listen to my aunt play. People know that he had a quite a beautiful singing voice. Huh. <laughs> After his illness, my father uh, kept him in isolation in his uh, office uh, laboratory. Anyway... Uh, This is my life now. Uh, My aunt and uncle assured me that they did everything they could for their dear brother, but uh, he passed and was buried in the family plot with my grandfather, my grandmother, my great-grandfather, great-grandmother, others.
1: Very sorry for your loss. It's
0: no matter. People always let you down. Even those you trust and love the most will change or leave you. But this, and she goes over to the horse. This one has never left me alone. Well, her size, deep into Anthadkis along the path. Few others dare to bring Mount Soda. It is possible, if you know the way. And if all is well, we'll be parting soon. And I'm going to go over to you, Zika. Now, you have made your way back behind the inn. There are a number of large trees between you and this strange outbuilding. As you pass, you will uh, see far to your east a little barn, and you see out in the front a figure standing at a, a little wooden block. You see Hans and a chicken. Uh, as you pass by, it is clear that he has no knowledge of your presence. But you see him, you know, take this chicken, he's kind of holding it in his arms, sets it down, and then, in like one swift, like fluid motion without changing expression or even looking at it, he pins the chicken's neck down, takes a hatchet, and in one stroke, just beheads the chicken. <laughs> and then begins plucking the feathers uh, while it is still writhing.
3: Yep, that sounds about right.
0: All the while he's looking just kind of straight ahead.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave him alone for now.
0: Okay. So you eventually make it to this maze of trees, Given your inherent abilities, you are not going to be stopped by the uh, rough terrain and the trees. You're able to kind of climb into and up and around. And eventually you see this building. It's a two-story building. It has a tile roof. There's a giant hole in the middle of the roof and the building is in horrible shape you can definitely tell that there's been structural damage um it looks like a couple of trees have fallen through it it gives the impression that this building burned from the inside and is not in any kind of functional shape and that looks like the forest has started to reclaim it which in these parts doesn't take a long period of time you know that if they were constantly taking care of the grounds here around the building even though they you know it's not the greatest job but this place would just be overrun within months. So uh, it, there are a number of ways it looks like you could get into the building. You, you climb in through the big old hole in the roof. Uh, there are some broken windows in the second story, and there is a doorway in the bottom of the front of the building.
3: Just based on how decrepit and broken down it is, I feel like it's probably a safe thing to decrease my weight. So I'm going to wild shape into a squirrel.
0: Okay, cool. Zika squirrel is on the case. So, uh, how is Zika squirrel going to enter the building?
3: I think it's pretty on brand for a squirrel to go in through the hole in the in the roof.
0: Absolutely. I was hoping you'd say that.
3: <laughs> so yes. I mean, I mean, why even bother with a door if you're a squirrel? <laughs> exactly. Squirrels do not do doors.
0: Yeah. So you bound in through the hole in the roof, and it does look like the roof was weakened by the fire. Uh, so. Basically nothing really stopping any kind of errant branches from just crashing through it. There are, you know, basically just a giant fell tree halfway through the building. But as you look down, you see the top story of this kind of glorified shack is pretty much just gone. You can see bits of floor that exist hugging the walls. But anything that was up here, it looks like there were some shelves and furniture Looks like some older furniture that might have come from the inn at one point or another. It's all fallen down into this open area at the bottom. It is very, very dark down there and kind of hard to see
3: unless you get closer. All right. I I will skitter in.
0: Okay. Uh, You skitter down in and uh, you're looking around. And the first thing you notice is the ground is cluttered with Broken glass all over the place. Like there's broken bottles, broken vials. Like and and they're you know blackened by fire. It looks like the it, you know. Um, actually, give me an investigation roll.
2: Oh, right. right. I don't know if
3: Zika is this smart, but if there was a fire and there were a bunch of bottles full of liquid, they would all explode. But and that's only going to be a ten on my investigation. Okay.
0: So yeah, so you're looking around and it is—it's a big mess in here. It, it looks like the fire started, you know, on one wall where there was probably, you know, some kind of a lamp burning or stove or something that that got out of control. You definitely can tell that the, a lot of these bottles have kind of exploded, and whatever liquids were in here were probably responsible for fueling this fire to a certain extent but you know beyond that the only other thing you notice offhand that's kind of hard not to notice is in the middle of the room under a big tree is a table a very heavy wooden table with five little like metal fixtures Two at the foot of the table and then two like two thirds of the way up and then one a little bit higher than that, that uh, you can see the remains of some burnt leather straps like, like for yeah, yeah. hold
3: someone down was, on the table with. I was, I was catching up on that. <laughs> okay. I figured uh, yeah, you but, would, but. but uh, that sounds like uh manacle oriented. Yes. Yeah. Like uh,
0: if it was holding a person, it was probably a rather large person and there's some kind of remnants of some kind of like machinery maybe or something behind it
3: i'll scamper over to look at the machinery okay cool Alrighty,
0: give me as you're looking at machinery give me a medicine roll All right 17 okay this yeah the machinery looks like it has some kind of uh you know you've seen healers in the city that use alchemicals in their processes you know obviously the Logs are kind of the masters of it you generally get an idea that a lot of this machinery uh, revolved around the movement of fluids um, and upon closer examination you definitely see like in some of the tubing that is left there is dried blood but the purpose of the machinery is unclear but is this something that might have just moved blood around the body or something? It's
3: you know I'm sure this is just a dialysis machine for their beloved relative in with kidney issues.
0: Yes, yeah. That would, that would <laughs> be okay. And you'll also find as you're kind of going through here, little scraps of burnt paper.
3: Yeah, I was that was something I was wondering is if there was any paper that had survived, especially if they're small, they should be easy enough for a squirrel to kind of gather them all together, as many as I can in one place, and kind of look over them, see if I see any, you know, partial sentences or common words across the papers. Yeah, give me another um, investigation. Uh, that is 14. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, so you are able to gather as many as you can find. A lot of the paper is burnt, and it's kind of hard to make out, but there are some words that you are able to piece together. You are able to find the words, my boy, my creation, <laughs> and blood.
3: Okay yeah that my creation kind of hits the nail right on the head there um i will I will uh, take the paper that says my creation with me uh, as as best I can as I continue to okay. to look around or i'll or grab it on the way out if I can't carry it with me, but I'll keep looking. This is the second floor, right? That's the first
0: floor. The second floor is really uninhabited. like there's nothing left oh, of it.
3: okay. Okay. Um, but right. this is
0: the first floor and and uh, yeah, like this is definitely um the more you're kind of looking at it, this is definitely
3: some kind of lab. Yeah. Like alchemical lab. Is there a basement, a stairs down or anything?
0: No, no. This is all just okay. uh it's on one story. Okay. But as you are uh, collecting the paper and trying to like piece out something, you feel a cold breeze blow through the place and from above something drops from the ceiling and just lands right next to you.
3: And it's like a little pouch. Oh, interesting. Before I do anything with the pouch, I will look up and see if there's anything else that happens to be affixed to the ceiling. Give me a perception roll. Um, that's pretty good. 22.
0: You are pretty sure you see something retreating up from the what remains of of a floor of the second story it really really looks like a kind of a red blobby looking thing that is like receding back very
3: quickly Oh, interesting. I would like to try to follow after it. It's obviously, if it's liquid, it can squeeze into things even smaller than I can. But if it's, you know, if right. there is anything I can do to, to follow it, I'd like to try and do that.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. You you kind of scurry up the wall, just because it's pretty easy for you to do so as a squirrel, uh, and jump up to there, and you will get there just in time to see a dark shape kind of against like the back of the remnants of just a little ledge. And you see this, uh, weird, uh, it's all like one big piece of this red goo receding back into a wall. And, uh, do you have dark vision? Uh,
3: yes. Squirrels do have dark.
0: Okay. There is what appears to be a a shape, almost human figure that, is kind of receding into the wall. Like it's kind of flowing, almost like a liquid into the wall, but because you're able to see in the dark, you can make out looks to be a face, but it's like all like this solid gelatinous blood thing.
3: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, this is, it's kind of kind of coming together a bit here. I will go back down yeah. and uh, is the pouch light enough that i can drag it as a squirrel at least to get it out yes
0: it seems to be large enough that you could probably put the papers whatever little bits of paper and things you found in the pouch and just kind of take it back with you
3: oh okay god it. so it's an empty pouch it's not a there's nothing like you're like i don't know if i can okay. get all these pieces yeah, of paper back then- i was
0: like oh hey look i can get all these pieces of
3: Right, I got, okay, I follow. So, uh, yeah, I will do that. I will kind of shove as much of the paper into the pouch as I can, then drag it out. And then once I'm out of the building, I will turn back into myself and I'll go take a walk over to the cemetery, just, you know take a gander at that too on the way back.
0: Okay. Uh, as you go to the cemetery, it's it's very overgrown and you see, you know, grave markers. The oldest grave says Ernst Ruger. And then you see the graves for Heinrich and Margareta. And there are some other graves that uh, you can't really make out. It looks like this horrible weather and, and climate here just kind of eats away at some of the stuff, but they're presumably beloved retainers or perhaps some other members of the family, but you will see uh, the most recent grave is a stone that is fairly new, a small stone, but a fairly new one is for Reinhardt Ruger.
3: All right, then I guess I'll walk back, but I'll kind of not like straight back, more like a kind of a sort of a a winding thing, like make it look like I was just sort of taking a walk and head back to the stable in expectation that Keith is still there.
0: So you do that. You dart around, kind of make your way circuitously around trees and things, and you make your way. You can see the stable. You can see Kiernan there still, you know, speaking with Gertrude. And as you uh, make your move to go over there, you are suddenly blocked by a large figure as somehow this huge guy has managed to slip in front of you. And you see Hans standing there in your path but he's looking a a different kind of expression on his face than you will. And we're going to go back to inside (laughs) (laughs) as Rolf is uh, doing his business. Of course, uh, this is the part of our negotiations where I am assured that you are able to give the proper compensation for services.
1: And I will reach into my backpack and pull out our gold that we have and put that on the table. Well, of course we don't travel with, all of our funds being a small party for security purposes, but I think this should prove adequate evidence of our ability to uh, afford a retainer. All right. So,
0: as you put the small pouch down on the table, at first, Rolf sees this really small pouch and but very quickly realizes what he is looking at and looks in the pouch, opens it, puts his hand down in, down, down, way where, you know, where it would be through the desk. And you're pretty sure he's, you know, really quickly counting gold that's in this bag of holding. But most importantly right now is uh, this is the time that I'm going to need uh, rolls from you guys to mm-hmm. back up your story. So I'm going to need a uh, deception roll from each of you
2: gentlemen. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. That's going to be great. All right. How we do? Oh, remarkably well. 17. Okay.
1: Uh, 25. Excellent. All right. Lying is basically 90% of what I (laughs) do. Yes.
2: I'm just getting into a groove and uh, (laughs) I'll do penance for it later. Yeah. No,
3: you're living that scumbag lifestyle right now. I imagine the only lying that Nolan doesn't do is like, do you want a hamburger? Yes. (laughs) Like, yes, I actually do want a hamburger.
0: (laughs) And as Rolf kind of finishes his counting, he pulls his arm up back through it. Oh, this is a nice sum as a retainer. Of course. I Assume that you have more at your disposal, if uh, need be?
1: We do. The prospect of this venture will be the acquisition of, among other things, uh, a certain amount of wealth. So uh, we can arrange to have further payment upon completion. We would not expect anyone to travel with us and put themselves at risk uh, merely for promise. But the full reward comes when we are successful.
0: Of course. It does appear that uh, you are uh, on paper exactly the kind of thing the shrubs are looking for however there's one final step to this transaction helga and uh the door opens behind you and helga is standing there please tell us why you are really here and i will need both of you to give me a wisdom savings which will probably be no problem for you to make but oh thank god <laughs>
2: uh, wonderful. <laughs> How do we do?
1: I said wonderful. Uh, That's an eight. I got a four oh eight. Okay. I got a fourteen, <laughs> which is real good for me. Okay. So if we're grading on a curve. However Eight is the
2: minimum I can roll. <laughs> Yeah, you feel uh,
0: compelled to tell the truth of why you are
2: here. Well, truth be told, we are here on a heroic endeavor to stop the God Without Shape. Talk of breaking a vault is just nonsense.
1: I would still like to hire some kobolds to blow up God Without Shape, but you know. (laughs) I'll
2: look at myself in horror as I say it. Well.
1: So, do I feel compelled to tell the truth or can I yeah, turn around and you, go? What? Unfortunately, you just <laughs> what? missed it. Okay. Yeah. I, I figured. Yeah. It was 15. Wisdom is not my forte. Yeah. No, I it's figured
0: that forte. Razor would 100%. See, that's why I view this as you being the one to crack and Razor not saying anything because his wisdom is so high. But uh, this is, uh, yeah, it's even worse. This is mm-hmm. better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Rolf just kind of looks down disappointed and goes, well, now what? And good goes, Hans, Hans, and that is where we will leave things. <laughs> good news. We get to kill everybody. <laughs> we'll, we'll pick up at uh, uh, what most assuredly would be some, some kind of a thing. But um, for one way or another, we'll end the boom's end portion of our story. Uh, so, uh, yeah, wow. That was uh, not exactly expected. But, you know, at some point, you just got to force the issue. <laughs>
2: who would have thought that razor would have been caught in a lie <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah i mean he did really really well unfortunately like his passive uh, insight is insane yeah. but you know i'm like well they're not you know anyway but obviously you are not compelled to uh not fight these people so oh yeah, yeah. yeah. i i still think you have a pretty good shot Alrighty. well thanks again guys for uh, another fun episode and we will find out what happens in a couple weeks but until then Bye. Cheers. Bye. See Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our Apprentice Architect Patreons, Jillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell, and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.